Good afternoon. Welcome back to Faith FM. You have tuned into The Marriage Project with Chapo and Bethany, where we talk about biblical wisdom for marriage and how that translates into real life. We're so glad to have you listening along with us today from wherever you're listening from. I would like to think people are in their car, but maybe they're not. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're in another place. Maybe people listen to the radio in all sorts of places. That is so true. So this afternoon, we are doing part two of what we recently started, which was a episode called Ministering from Your Marriage. Yes. So we're doing Ministering from Your Marriage part two because we realized there was so much that we could talk about that we didn't get to talk about under that banner. Mm. So we addressed the idea of how do we as a couple minister from our marriage? How do we minister as married people? And we focused a lot on the idea of how our actual marriage in itself is a ministry in terms of um, the way that by God's design, the marriage between a husband and a wife in some way mimics the love that God has for humanity. It's That's like, right. It's like a picture or a little tiny to scale model of the way that God loves people, something like that. Can you explain it better? Yeah. So, when we love one another well, people who are outside of our relationship look on and say, wow, that must be a little bit like how God loves the church, how God loves me, how God loves the world. Yep. So the yep. focus was on not so much engaging in some kind of ministry together, but to love each other well so that just your marriage on its own is a ministry. Yeah. Yeah. Which exactly. is a really cool concept and something yeah. I don't want to diminish at all. But what we never really got to address any more deeply was the how practicalities. Do, the practicalities of the way that you can minister together, what that can look like. We did talk about the concept of like ministering as a married person versus ministering as a single person, how they're yes. not the same thing and you can't minister in the same way. But we didn't go much further than that. And we also very briefly touched on two very important New Testament people, which is Priscilla and Aquila, the husband and wife ministry powerhouse duo of the New Testament. And I would like to spend a bit more time unpacking who they are and what makes them so special. Yeah. Which is really exciting because I felt like we started talking about it and we sort of like crammed it in because we were like, it's the end. So it's good. If you want to go back and listen to that episode, you can jump on the Faith FM website. Which is faithfm.com.au. You can check out any previous episodes that you want to listen to. You can go to. to the programs section and you can look up past episodes and watch it there. You, c- you could also look on, if you have an iPhone, you can just get straight to your podcast app and type in Faith FM Marriage Projects and there you will find us and you can listen to previous episodes there. All of them. Maybe yeah. on Spotify. I don't know. I'm not a Spotify guy, so I don't know what Spotify is. I'm not down with that. Is yet. it Spotify guy or Spotify er? Like, I don't know. I don't know the, even know the lingo of maybe, what maybe. you call yourself. But if you're a Spotify person, maybe check it out. It could be there, but we don't know. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> but definitely on Apple Podcasts, definitely on the Faith FM yep. website. Yes. And there's some cool other resources if you want to check out Faith FM website as well. So, Priscilla and Aquila, who are they and why do they matter in the conversation about ministering from your marriage? Yeah. So, Priscilla and Aquila are a New Testament couple. Now, when I first remember reading Priscilla and Aquila in the Bible, I actually thought it was two ladies because I never really heard of anybody called Aquila before, but it is a man's name. I'd never heard of anyone called Aquila anywhere. So, Ever. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes, you know how you read in the Bible, you're just like, what is it? And you have to try and do some extra research to figure out what it is. Well, Priscilla and Aquila are a married couple. They are friends of the Apostle Paul. They are church planters. They are missionaries who travel around. And we see them mentioned in Scripture always together. So we're going to have a look at those couple of times where they are mentioned together. And, that, and uh, there's probably not 
other people in the Bible that are like that. No. It's probably pretty unique to their situation. Um, so it wasn't like Aquila had his ministry and Priscilla had her ministry. They did their ministry as a team. Yeah. It was Priscilla and Aquila's ministry, which is really cool. Yeah. And I guess a lot of the time we see people outside of their relationship serving God when you read about them in scripture, like it's the story of one person, but here we've got story of two, which yeah. is really cool. And I guess like a lot of people were married. We just don't hear about their stories and their spouse and how they worked together or not together. So this is a cool example for us as married people to look to. Yep. So you can find their story in Acts chapter 18. And I'm just jumping there in my Bible now. Acts chapter 18. And when we first, and they're all throughout Acts chapter 18, their story. And so you can go and read the whole thing, but we're going to just, do a couple of verses to give you the highlights. So when you first read about them, Acts chapter 18, and I'm going to do verses 2 and 3. It says, There he became acquainted with a Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently arrived from Italy with his wife Priscilla. They had left Italy when Claudius Caesar deported all Jews from Rome. Paul lived and worked with them, for they were tent makers just as he was. So Paul was a tent maker. That's how he made his money, and he did that on the side while he ran around preaching and teaching people about Jesus. And so were Priscilla and Aquila. They had that in common, which is pretty cool. Okay. And they were very hospitable to him by the sounds of it. Um, Something else to note there, side note, is that they're actually – they've been deported. They've been made homeless by the Roman government. They came from Rome and they've been kicked out because Aquila is a Jew. So there was a period of time in the early church where the Jews were really persecuted, killed, sought after, and driven out from their homes. Right. And this has happened to Priscilla and Aquila. They've moved to another town, to Athens, into, oh, into Corinth. In, Corinth. Yeah, into Greek, yeah. Greek territory. Yeah. So, and they've moved there from Rome because it wasn't safe for them to live in Rome. And so that's what you get right. when you read the book of Romans as well. A bit of the background there is when you read Romans, it's two groups of people, people who have been kicked out and come back to live in their home, but they're poor and they've been like treated as abandoned people. And then you've got people who are higher class citizens, but they're all part of God's kingdom and the church together. And Paul telling them, how do you work together? How yeah, do you live cool. together? Yeah. Now, a little bit of a side note, and we'll address this more as we go on in, in the chapter, but I just want to mention this bit, that here it says that Paul went to Corinth where he met Aquila, mm-hmm. and then it w- goes on to say that um, it, Aquila was married to Priscilla. Mm-hmm. That is the only time where Aquila is mentioned before Priscilla in the rest of the time where they're brought up, it's Priscilla and Aquila, not Aquila yes. and Priscilla. That might sound insignificant right now, but we'll address that again in a minute. I just yeah. want to take note of that. Yeah, that's true. All right, do you want to read the next bit? It's verses 18 and 19. 18 and 19, yes. So it says, Paul stayed in Corinth for some time after that, then said goodbye to the brothers and sisters and went to the nearby Sencrea. There he shaved his head according to Jewish custom, marking the end of a vow. Then he set sail for Syria, taking Priscilla and Aquila with him. They stopped first at the port of Ephesus, where Paul left the others behind. While he was there, he went to the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. So they met in Corinth, and they were working for the church in Corinth, and then he took them with him on his missionary journey, where they went to Ephesus, and he left them there after that, where he went on to the next thing. So yeah. they're planting churches in multiple towns. And verse 24 to 26, this is the cool part, I reckon. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside and explained, wait, 
I've gone too far. Yeah. I've got to start at 24. Start, start at 24. Start at like, 24, what, lady. What is going on? Oh, my goodness. Okay. Starting at 24. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker who knew the scriptures well, had arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. He had been taught the way of the Lord, and he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit and with accuracy. However, he knew only about John's baptism. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside and explained the way of God even more accurately. Okay, so overview. Um Paul and Aquila and Priscilla end up in Corinth at the same time. Yes. Probably by the will of God, I would say, but it just seems all these co- coincidences and circumstances fall into place that they meet in in Corinth. Mm-hmm. Um, they are also of the same profession. They are tent makers. Yep. But they are also passionate about Jesus Christ. Yeah. So they become co-workers in sharing, sharing the gospel, preaching to people. Yeah. And then Paul says, it's time for me to go on a missionary journey. Why don't you come along with me, Priscilla and Aquila, and they take journey with him and they get to Ephesus and they stop there and Paul says, it's time for you to get off this boat and stay here in Ephesus because there's work for you to do here for God. And they become the leaders of that church. Yes, that's right. To the point where they're the ones that if there's any theological problems or any doctrines that need straightening out or any people that need more information or correcting or better understanding, they're the ones who deliver it. Yes, and it's likely that the church meeting place was in their household as well, wherever they went. Well, so it's likely yeah. that they had churches in their home in Corinth, in Ephesus, and in Rome as well. Yeah. Yeah, because um, that's the church wasn't in a building in that time. The church was homes. in people's homes. And wherever yeah. they went, they started a church in their home. Yeah. Now, before we take a break, I just want to quickly mention, because we've just read a bunch of verses about Priscilla and Aquila, and like I said, every time their names are mentioned, it's mentioned as Priscilla and Aquila, not Aquila and, Pr- and Priscilla. Mm. What's the significance of that? Oh, right now? You yeah. said we we're about to take a break. You're making right now, me nervous. Before the break. Okay, the significance of them being mentioned in that order is that when we see somebody being mentioned first in Scripture out of, like, a team, that person is the, the leader in that team. Yeah, the so, one with a more prominent influence yeah. over yes. yeah, church leadership. Exactly, exactly. And so that's what we believe is actually happening here in the story of Priscilla and Aquila. Yeah, from New Testament scholarship, that's yeah. what we understand. Yeah, yeah exactly. which is which is cool. And yeah. but they were a team, they ministered together, but Priscilla wasn't just a a, um, a sidekick to Aquila. Priscilla was a powerful and active ministering teacher of the gospel, teacher of theology. Yeah. Um in her own right. Which that's is right. really cool. All right, we need to take a break, but stick with us here on Faith FM. We'll be back very soon. This is my father's world. To my listening ears All nature sings And round me rings The music of the spheres This is my father's world I rest me in the thought Of rocks, of trees, of skies and seas His hand the wonders wrought This is my Father's world Oh, and let me know Forget 
that though the wrong seems often so strong, God is the ruler, yeah. This is my father's word. Welcome back to Faith FM. You're listening to The Marriage Project with Bethany and Chapo. We've been talking about ministering from your marriage today, and we've been focusing on a particular couple in Scripture called Priscilla and Aquila, who are a great example of people who are married working together for God. So we've just been talking about where we find them in the book of Acts. So you can look over in the book of Acts if you can grab yourself a Bible later on and have a read. Don't read while you're driving. That's a dangerous time if you're a driving person. Um, but what we really love about this story is that we see in verses 24 and through to 26 that they both are teaching theology and helping somebody understand Scripture, not just the man, not just one of them, but both of them. And the person that they're teaching is Apollos, who we find out later on in other parts of the Bible that he was a very gifted teacher and speaker, and they recognize that in him. And they say, this guy has potential to be something great and is doing great things for God, but he's got a couple of things that aren't quite right, so we need to help straighten him out. And I love that, that they invest in him. And it says that they took him aside and taught him, and I always wonder, like, did they just do it in the street, like right next to where he was preaching, or did they actually build a relationship with this guy, minister to him, take him into their home and sit down and read scripture and teach him and, and teach him the way of Christ. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, ha- have you ever had, after you've preached a sermon, someone come to you in the door or, or straight after and want to correct your theology? Yeah, I gasped because I knew exactly <laughs> what you were going to say. Don't you, don't you love it's that? so uncomfortable. Isn't, isn't it such a blessing? Like, <laughs> it is. Ne- you're never like in the right just, frame of mind to just, receive. You've just poured out everything you have in this sermon and, like, and you're exhausted, your, your adrenaline has just dropped and, you you know, you just need to get home. And, yeah, someone just has a few issues that they want to address if your theology is such a blessing. Yeah, and you, you're just not in the right <laughs> frame of mind to receive feedback That's at right. that moment. If you, have the, if you have a theological problem with your pastor's sermon, <laughs> wait till Monday when he's in a, a better frame of mind or she's in a better frame of mind to, um, to, yeah, to receive <laughs> the blessing of your correction. Yes. So I don't think that uh, – that uh, this is just well, – there's no way of knowing, but I yeah, would like to think that um, Priscilla and Aquila had made friends with Apollos and took him aside at some other point, not when he was exhausted from just preaching his guts out in the, <laughs> in the middle of some grand place. Anyway. So another place that we see Priscilla and Aquila is in Romans chapter 16. The end of Romans in chapter 16 is full of all of the people that Paul wanted to greet, people who he considered co-workers in ministry. And – 
I think it's a third of them are female in Romans chapter 16. Paul had a lot of female as well as male people who taught and preached and worked alongside him. And he mentions Priscilla and Aquila as co-workers of his, as friends of his, and as people who risked their necks for him. So they've done something that they put themselves out on a limb in order to help their friend Paul, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Um, and we know that the church met in their home. They're mentioned in First Corinthians because remember when we read about them that they first met in Corinth, so they've had a connection with the Corinthian church. Yep. And then they're also mentioned in Second Timothy because Timothy ministered in Ephesus, so he would have been working alongside Priscilla and Aquila. So that was also where another church was that they served in. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so what I really like about these two is the idea of ministering out of your marriage. Because they're always together. And sometimes when we think about our spiritual gifts and our acts of service and the things that we do, we think about it in a very individualistic way. We think about it like in terms of our growth, in terms of who we are as a person, in terms of what God is doing inside of us. We think about it as me, as a person. We don't think about it as us, as a couple and what we're doing. Would you agree? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I found it really interesting. Um, lately I've been working with a guy who's a personal trainer and a life coach, but he's not from a Christian background, but he's trying to help me to do the best for myself and improve myself. But he comes very much from an individual focus rather than a community focus, which is a different way of thinking than a, a person who's a believer. Yeah. So yeah. you sometimes clash on your ideology. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so if you are a married person who's listening to this and who serves God, think about, well, what can we do together? Or what are we doing individually that could be done together or could be done better if we were, you know, collaborating more? Yeah. Or working alongside one another more? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. It's interesting for us because we are both pastors. Yeah. We've done both. And we've had seasons where we've had our own very separate ministries, like mm-hmm. we are currently at the moment. I'm yep. pastoring a church in Kurumbong. You are the Women's Ministries Director at our headquarters. Um, but only last year and for a number of years before that, we were both pastoring in the same church together yep. as a pastoral team. And that's when we've done that at other times in other churches as well. So it's a very different, I guess, space to work from. Yeah. And um, I can never figure out which way is better. Like I think we sort of go through seasons and every season has its pros and cons. Absolutely. Like, And I find when we work together in a local church setting, that church benefits from our joint spiritual gifts and from our family blessing that community as a whole. Yes. And I love that. Yep. Um, and I think that you and I have really great communication and connectivity because we're investing into the same place and we're not in dis- different spheres of life. Um, but then the negative to that is, all of our date nights got used up on meetings for the church. I know. So, like, <laughs> because we always had the same meetings. That's right. Like, and, and it's, that's really important because we've talked here about the importance of date nights and think about all those times that we had to use our babysitters up just so that we could go to a board meeting together or a vision casting meeting or an elders meeting or whatever it was. Um, and we missed out on time connected. Also, um, I totally agree. There were some excellent benefits from us serving as a pastoral team, Mm. you and I, um, because of the reasons you've listed. But at the same time now, having now worked for a few months with two very separate ministries, it means that home is much more home. Yes. And and not so much an extension of work. There's not those blurred boundaries. Like it can be really easy to blur your boundaries when you're together serving. Yeah. And and my stuff and your stuff isn't the same stuff. And it's it's yeah. So there's there's definitely pros and cons to both. And when a job needs doing, 
we don't have to put the responsibility on one another and be like, hey, you said you were going to do this, but you're mowing a lawn right now and uh, we're it's due tomorrow. Or, do you know what I mean? Like, So yep. we don't have to be mindful of one another's time frames or deadlines yep. at all. So this is yep. all our problem. How does, <laughs> how does this relate to people, particularly if they are not both pastors? Because we're a unique breed, I suppose, yes. in the Seventh-day Adventist Church in Australia. There's only, I think, what, probably another four or five pastoral couples where both of the spouses are pastors? I'm trying to think. And, you know, it's crazy because when I'm trying to think of the number, I'm thinking of their names because they're all our, our friends, friends yeah. because we are unique in that. And some other denominations do do it differently, but we don't have as many female pastors in the Seventh-day Adventist Church in Australia. But then we also have some who are married to one another, which is rarer still. Yes. Yeah. So I think for you as a couple who aren't both employed by the church but are still trying to figure out how do we best serve together, just trying to figure out, you know, what can we do together, what can we do separately, how can my gifts come alongside my partner's gifts yeah. and how can we serve the church together? What does that look like? What does that yeah. mean? What is there a ministry that can that can come out of our home or out of our marriage that will build up God's kingdom? Yeah. What is God's how can God's mission be played out by us being together? Absolutely. Yeah. That's so true. And so important. And yep. I think that I love that Priscilla and Aquila are always mentioned together. I love that they're not – it's not Aquila went to Rome and he planted a church and it was awesome and Priscilla stayed behind and she did a bunch of this other stuff. Or or it's not like Priscilla went to Corinth and she met a whole bunch of people and Aquila stayed and did tent making so that he could pay for her to do that. Like <laughs> yeah. it's none of that. It's yep. them together yep. who are serving the Lord, which is really cool. That is really cool. Um, yeah. I think of like we've got some good friends who have a very large home, um, but I know that when they were building their home, they have a lot of prayer went into it because they wanted their home to be a space that was dedicated to God where they could do ministry from, where they could mm. bring people in, where God's presence would be felt and understood, where they could give Bible studies, where people could find uh, reprieve and, and all sorts of stuff. But they wanted their home to be a place where they offered the kingdom of God to people. I yeah. think that's really cool. Yeah, which is really beautiful. So having that intentionality to think about, like, God has put us together, but how has he put us together that's in a way that's different to any other couple that yeah. lives on my street, that goes to my church, that lives in my neighbourhood, and what are we doing together to bless others that's around right. me for Jesus? We need to take a break, but there's a lot of other things that I want to talk about that aren't as related to Priscilla and Aquila and being pastoral couples and stuff like that. So stay tuned to uh, Faith FM. We'll be back with you very soon. Winter didn't last The coldest months have passed Time will heal our bumps and bruises Mend the broken parts Oh, mend the broken parts Winter didn't last The shadow's time has passed Light will fill the skies above us Chase away the dark Oh Chase away the dark So hold on, hold on my
soothe our restless souls and heal the aching hearts. Heal the aching hearts. So don't you dare give up, my dear. Your redemption is so near. So hold on, hold on, my dear. For it won't be long, my dear. Welcome back to Faith FM. You are listening to Chapa and Bethany, and we are the hosts of The Marriage Project. And this afternoon, we are talking about ministering from your marriage. And we've spent a whole bunch of time talking about two characters in the New Testament, Priscilla and Aquila, and discussing the idea of how you can minister as a married couple. How can you bring ministry into something that you do as a team? Um, where do we want to go from here? Mm. So, uh, we, you were talking just before the break about friends of ours who are intentional about creating the kind of home that they can serve God out of, which is really cool. And I think that's something that we should, like, are you happy to talk about that right, yeah, I am. Now, right now? I'm so ready. Yeah. Um, and they are a couple who don't have any children, but they've been married as long as you and I. And then we're a couple that do have children. And so then we've got to think about, well, how are we serving our community? How are we serving our friends? How are we making our home a space where people know God? But also how are we teaching our children about God and not just leaving it up to others to teach our children about God as well, which is a really important part of raising kids for the kingdom of God. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's something that we think that people should think about as well, that our listeners should think about, you know, how can I – teach my children about God? What can I do to let them know that that Jesus loves them and died on the cross for them and, and to teach them the words of Scripture every day? Yeah. So that's an important one for you and I who spend mm. so much of our time uh, investing in other people's spiritualities yes. that we can easily neglect our own kids and forget that they need us to invest in their spirituality as well because raising your kids yeah. – to know and understand Jesus, making sure that they have a good experience of church and community um, is a really important thing. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a, that is a ministry. That is 100% a service to God, as much as it would be if you were telling someone who never had heard of Jesus or had no access to church. I think about the amount of time that I spend teaching the Bible to other kids who are the same age as my kids, and it's kind of confronting. And yeah. how much time have I invested in my own kid's spirituality? It's really important to see that as a ministry yeah, on its own. Yeah, for sure. I just had a thought. I was like, we should get Darren Pratt on this show to talk about family worship and how it works and what it's like because he is a banger of a resource when it comes to understanding how to develop ministry in your family because that's something that like you and I didn't grow up with that either. Yeah. We didn't grow up with learning about God in our home in a structured way. Um, it was just sort of ad hoc conversations in my family. Um you, your family didn't start believing in God till you were well into your teenage years. We started going, we went when I was little, but then we had a break and then we went back when I was a teenager. So I didn't grow up learning scripture. I went to my nans in the school holidays and we went to Sabbath school and learned about church at that time and about God at that time. Yeah. Yeah. So for those, I, yeah. Do you think that's a good idea? Do you think we should get Darren? Yeah, I think I'm so. just going to say Darren Pratt's going to come on the show and then he'll listen to this <laughs> podcast episode and he'll be like, oh, I've got to go on the show now. That's right. So that'll be great. That He's a friend great. of ours. Yeah. <laughs> so um, because it's really confronting and we should address it here and it's one of my greatest fears as a minister, as a pastor, is the 
terrible statistics about pastors kids mm. who turn their back on the church and turn their back on Jesus because of the double standards they saw from their dad when he got up the front or their mum getting up the front and um you know saying all these great things about Jesus and how to live and but not being so kind when it came to their daily life, um, but also the dads who were completely absent. Absent, yeah. And let's be honest, um, for a long time, we did not have female pastors very prevalent in the Adventist church. So, yeah. from the statistics, it's dad was never home. Yeah. It's the thing that's often said. Um, we never saw him. Mm. And that's the sort of stuff that you've really got to see as much as all the other list of things that you need to do in your ministry are important. Yeah. So is raising your kids to know Jesus. Absolutely. And if you go to um, a Christian bookstore, um, Adventist Book Centre, you can go online. They have devotionals for kids and you can just grab one of those and go through every day like a couple of pages with them. That's the sort of stuff that we do with our kids um, when you do your bedtime stories or do a story in the morning. To, and we always pray at bedtime as well. That's other things that we do on a practical level, just trying to think of giving people ideas of how to do that. But yeah. Darren will have some great practical ideas as well because he's, he's my friend and he knows stuff about stuff. Cool. <laughs> but, yeah, definitely um, you can just jump on Adventist Book Centre and you can pick up a devotional or Koorong as well as another option. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, so, yeah, make your family your ministry as well. Don't serve others at the expense of those that God has given to you already. And I think that's so important to remember. Because here's the other thing that's really cool is a part of ministering to your family will be ministering with your family. Mm. So when we can get our kids on board with things that we are doing to serve other people, that is an awesome thing. So not, and, and it's that hard balance you mean, like we have to make sure that we are present enough in their lives that they see serving other people as something that is good and not something that robs them, if that yeah. makes sense. Because yeah. if they say, oh, ministry, oh, ministry is horrible because it, we never got, we never got a good experience at home because of, because of ministry. There was always more people. Yeah. Um, so if you can create a good atmosphere of ministry and then get your kids on board and go and serve together, go and visit people together, bring them to your Bible studies, bring them to your whatever it is you do, that's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. And kids just love to be involved in what we are doing as the adults in their life. Like they want that quality time and connection and to be alongside us. And what a great opportunity to do that where you're teaching them about the things of God and not just putting them off to the side or getting a babysitter for them, but actually bringing them along with you to those things as well, which is really cool. Yeah, I agree. The next thing I want to talk about is your home as a place for the kingdom of God. Okay. So not just the children that you're raising, but along that idea of the friends that we had who were really intentional about using their home for God, everyone has somewhere that we live. Some of us find that it's not as glamorous as our next door neighbors, but God has still given you a home that is yours, that is your place to live and to raise your family and to serve others, whether it is tiny, whether the kitchen is awkward, whether the tiles are ugly and you didn't want them to be that way, whether it's messier than you hoped it would be, your home is the home that you've got and you are blessed to have and God wants you to use it for his kingdom. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So um, what I love about the Priscilla and Aquila story is that wherever they went and like obviously when they got kicked out of Rome and went to Corinth, they must have been on the verge of homeless because they've been like, a, what's the word, like sent away from their city. They're like- uh, Exiled? Yeah, they're yeah. exiles. They're, they're homeless people. They're refugees. Like yeah, they don't have yeah. anything and they go to Corinth and then they start a church in that place. But as soon as they get a house- it's a church. It's a church. Yeah. Like, like as soon as they're not homeless anymore and they've got a house, it's a place where they bring other people to learn about Jesus. Yeah. Um, 
Look, people like that are such an incredible inspiration, particularly in the face of a generation that um, is time poor, for starters, but also um, maybe self-absorbed a bit as well without sounding too judgy and awful. But you think of Priscilla and Aquila where the first thing they could do when they got their place was not relax and chill out, but to be how can we serve God from this space? Yeah. You look at Paul when he's in prison and the Church of Philippi says, Paul, how are you? We want to know how you're going. He says, I am great. Because I got to tell this person about Jesus and that person about Jesus and everything's going awesome because people are hearing about Jesus when realistically it was probably like starving and sick and all this awful <laughs> stuff. But it was so important for him to be able to be like, yeah. yeah, because the mission of God is paramount if you are a believer. Yeah. And what I love about the early church that you read about in the book of Acts and in some of those new New Testament letters is that hospitality is huge for them. And even Jesus, the way that he treated people as well, you see him eating with the prostitutes and the tax collectors and having dinner with them, like hospitality, inviting the outcast, the stranger, the outsider to become part of your home, to become part of your household, to become part of the people who sit around a table with you is a really big deal when it comes to understanding the New Testament and how we bring people into the kingdom of God. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Which is really cool. Um, and so, you you know, you look at Lydia, she invites Paul and his friends to come to her house and then her entire household is baptized. And you see over and over again in the book of Acts, like this happened and that person was converted and then their whole household was baptized. And so we, the, the kingdom of God is spread through household to household. And so your home is important. As unglamorous or messy as it might be, as unpinterest worthy as it might be, your home is important in the kingdom of God. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I think that's so important to remember. Join the Faith FM family and connect with what's happening around the network. Visit faithfm.com.au slash newsletter or text the code word sign up to 04888-80831. And let's connect today. Our team here at Faith FM want to encourage you to be God's hands and feet in your communities, to stay positive and to stay connected in this virus season. Remember to call your friends and family and ask if there's anything they need, whether it's food, some toilet paper, or just a chat. Little things like this make a big difference to loved ones who just want to know that you're safe and sound. You're listening to The Marriage Project with Bethany and Chapo, and today we're talking about ministering out of your marriage. So we've spent a bit of time talking about your home and your family and you two as a couple, as a place where you are serving God and serving others, which is very cool. So I want to talk about how I'm a terrible pastor's wife. Can we talk about that? And I say <laughs> I say pastor's okay. wife because traditionally in our denomination, we have seen more male pastors with female spouses than the other way around. But I also want to acknowledge that there are male pastor spouses and they would also feel like they don't fit at all in that they're the total square peg in the round hole when it comes to the pastor's yeah. spouse uh, model. There used to be this ugly magazine that got sent out to all of the pastor's wives years ago called Shepherdess. It still and- gets produced. Oh, does it still get yeah. produced? Yeah. I thought yeah. it got changed to something else. No. But there is not much information in there that's valuable for the pastor's husband. No, it is certainly it's, not no, it's um, still directed yeah. <laughs> to both kinds of pastor's spouses. Um, and so there's – I. I've lost all my words. <laughs> um, there's been research done into um, pastors' wives, and one of our friends 
Trafford Fisher is actually really passionate about that. And he did this fantastic presentation that I heard one time about the research that he'd done into pastor's wives. And what he said was that there's different kinds of pastor's wives. There's the ones who see your ministry is also my ministry. And wherever you go, I go. And whatever you do, I do it. And we do it together. So if you're doing a visit, we're both doing a visit. If the church is your church, it is also my church. If you're at a meeting, I am also at the meeting. If you're praying for someone, I am also praying for someone. And it's very much we. Okay. And then there's other pastor's wives who are like, okay, yep, I really affirm what you do, but I'm not that invested in what you do, but you have your spiritual gifts, I have my spiritual gifts, we're both serving the church. And then there's the other ones who really want to try so hard to fit into that role but really struggle with the tension of, well, I can't do all of the things that go with that role because I never learned how to play the organ or whatever it might be. Yep. And then there's the ones who have a really negative outlook on it and say, you know what? I married you as a man and I didn't marry you as a pastor and your vocation is completely separate to what I want to be a part of in yeah. my life. And and that's really hard for some of those ministers to serve with an unsupportive spouse as well. Sure. So yeah. okay, so there's a whole broad range and this is there's been research done yeah. of the kind of women that become pastors' wives. Yeah. Or the, or the yeah, the type or of the wife attitudes as well. Attitudes toward yeah. their husband's ministry and so forth. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I thought it was really fascinating because I am a terrible pastor's wife when it comes to the cookie cutter understanding of what it means to be a pastor's wife. Now, let's, before I go any further, when you say terrible, terrible in the light of the perceptions yes. that many churches have had. I don't live the, up to their expectations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is the thing. There's a lot of really unfair expectations that go on the shoulders of pastor's wives. I'm going to say it probably particularly with some of the older members in certain congregations who remember a different time in a different way where the pastor's wife would take the children's Sabbath schools would usually play the piano or the organ for the hymns, would make the bread for communion, would cook a lot of food for when it was church lunch, and would also t um, schedule their pastor's appointments and visits because he was out and she was at home where the phone was um, and would basically function as his secretary. That's the there is still some of that idea out there in, in churches of that's how the pastor's wife will behave. Yeah. And I think there's been a shift because financially we don't live in a society anymore where couples can, especially couples with children, can be a one-income household. Like a lot of, especially in some of the areas, we live in New South Wales, there are some areas where it is just not financially viable to have one person at home and one person working. We need to, if we're going to own a home or do those sorts of things, we need to think about that as well. Yeah, that's right. So, um, yeah, and so a lot of pastor's wives have their own careers as well. And so it's changed sort of the dynamic of the way that we see things. Um, but I just, I just wanted to think about how I haven't fit into that role because Bless the woman whose spiritual gift is hospitality. I can make people feel welcome and I can even throw food together if I need to, but I do not have that spiritual gift of hospitality where making large people feeding, troop feeding meals and producing the food before the people is my spiritual gift at all. It really stresses oh, me out. Cooking stresses you out so bad. You are <laughs> it not stresses at me out just feeding our own family. Yeah. <laughs> But I've seen some beautiful ladies in our past church. I can think of their names and their faces as I'm as I'm talking to you right now. That they can just go. It doesn't matter if people come by surprise. It doesn't matter if uh, like twenty extra people showed up. They put together 
food and they put together service and they put together hospitality and people feel welcome around that table, whether it's like a really weird thing that they just threw together with some lentils that they found in their cupboard, people feel welcome at that table. And that's beautiful. I love that. But my spiritual gift is in teaching and preaching and helping other people understand the gospel. And I feel really passionate about that. And I come alive when I'm teaching people about the Bible. And I like quietly sob when I'm like in the kitchen. (laughs) And so I just wanted to note that each person, regardless of their gender and regardless of who they are married to, has their own spiritual gifts. And I want to acknowledge that you have your own spiritual gifts as well. And that God has put you and your spouse together to work together for his kingdom. And the spirit gifts as the spirit will give. And we receive those gifts and we work within that as well. That's right, because we've experienced it. Like there's a uh, – thinking of a, past, a church that I ministered many years ago and um, when we were looking at the different roles that needed to be filled, um, they said, okay, so who's going to be the children's Sabbath school leader? And they said, oh, well, that, the pastor's wife always takes that role. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that won't be happening because my wife is also a pastor at a different church. <laughs> <laughs> I was not available on Saturday She's not available. <laughs> And they didn't like that <laughs> because it messed up with their expectations of who my wife should be and what she should be doing. Yeah. And but- yet if they had have received a single pastor who was appointed to that territory, they would have got the same thing. But because you were married, they had an expectation of what that marriage meant. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And what the spiritual gifts that the pastor's wife, regardless of who she was, should receive. Yeah. But that's not how the Holy Spirit works. No. The Holy Spirit gives as the Holy Spirit will give. And there's a whole myriad of spiritual gifts. And sometimes our spiritual gifts can even change from place to place, depending on what the church needs and what the Spirit needs to do in that community as well. That's right. So what I love about the story that we see of Priscilla and Aquila is that they both are using their spiritual gifts for God. Um, and I love that Priscilla is mentioned first. We mentioned that a little bit earlier on in the podcast that except for the first time we meet them. Oh, I said podcast, radio show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the first time that we meet them, Aquila is mentioned first, but then after that, it's Priscilla or sometimes her nickname Prisca. And she's mentioned as the first person. And that is actually showing us that she's the leader in that ministry relationship. That's right. Which is really cool. So Paul and Barnabas. When they work together, we see an example of this happening as well. When Paul was a new convert, when he was a new Christian, he didn't have that confidence in the Christian community. He didn't have that leadership in the Christian community. He didn't have that recognition among other believers. And Barnabas went with him, mentored him, encouraged him, worked alongside him, built him up. And then all of a sudden in the story, you see it flip from Barnabas and Saul to Paul and Barnabas, Okay, which is really cool. So he not only has a name change in his ministry journey, he also has a leadership that he grows into and Barnabas steps back and lets him grow into that, which is, I always, I love the character of Barnabas. It's so cool. But it's similar in the story of Priscilla and Aquila as well, that one, God has made a leader and the other is not getting in the way of who God is leading and yep. what the spiritual gifts that person has are. That is cool. Yeah. And both of them have the gift of teaching because we know that they both taught Apollos and helped him straighten out his ethology, theology. Ethology. That's not even a word. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, and both of them are leaders in the church and both of them work alongside Paul, which is really cool. Something that I want to think about is creating space for your spouse to serve God. Yes. Yeah. yeah this and is yeah, this is a really big one for me. I think that you do that really beautifully for me and I really appreciate that. Is that I feel really affirmed that when I say I God's really put this on my heart and I really want to do it that you 
help me to be able to work together to make that happen. Like we go, okay, let's put it in the calendar. Let's see how we can make it happen. And that's really wonderful and really affirming. And I try to do that for your ministry as well. Um, whether it's like rearranging my own appointments or rearranging childcare or whatever it needs to be. Sure. Yeah. yeah because I think it's a really important thing to do to encourage your spouse to use their spiritual gifts, whatever they are. Now, we, now we talk a lot about the context of pastoral ministry because it's just who we are, but that's not everyone. That's m- most people aren't, right? Yeah. But it's whatever it is. Like y- your wife might be a really talented worship leader and it's going to cost your family because that means she's got to be probably a practice or maybe two. Um, you might have to take separate cars to church. It might mean that you as the husband are doing all of the hair of the little girls in the morning or whatever needs to be done so that your wife can be at band practice because she thrives and she excels in bringing people into a place of worship when she is worship leading and music leading and so forth. Yeah. Um, it, it could be it could be functioning in the ministry of elder. It could be functioning in a hospitality role, whatever it is, but encouraging your spouse to, hey, if God has put this on your heart, you should do it. You should go and do something for the kingdom, something where you are thriving because God is ministering through you. Like, I think that's a really cool thing. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just thinking as an extension of that, our children as well, like creating the room for when they want to serve. Like I was thinking about if you have a teenager who really wants to run a small group or say, well, let's do it in our home. And how can we make that happen? How can I support you? How can I help you get the resources? How can I help you get some study guides? How can I help you organize your friends and organize some food? That's and right. I, we had a meeting earlier this week with a, a dear friend of ours. And I remember when I was his pastor and he was the youth leader and his mom was just the most beautiful person to make space for somebody else's ministry and for those children to learn about God, which was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So he was a youth leader, but she was really like the backing force behind that. And she made her home available. And and it reminded me of something called um, messy hospitality. Like so often we think our home has to be Pinterest worthy before we invite somebody in. Sometimes, so often we think we have to have done all the grocery shopping and the meal prepping and the menu planning before we invite someone over for dinner. But that idea of mess- messy hospitality is invite someone anyway. Yeah. Let them into your home where the laundry is not folded up on the couch so that they can go, wow, I didn't fold my laundry either. And it's nice to see that you're a normal person. <laughs> you know, um, you know, invite yeah. them in and say, Oh, I've only got toasted cheese sandwiches, but would you like to share them with me? Who doesn't like toasted cheese sandwiches? Who doesn't? It's cheese. It's a delicious <laughs> time. Um, <laughs> we, um, we've often talked about the idea of starting a ministry <laughs> where we ring up people that we know and say, Hey, we're just about to pop around. We're 20 minutes away. And then 20 minutes later saying, Hey, guess what? We're not really coming, but enjoy your tidy house because <laughs> they, they probably scrambled to, you know, do the dishes and clean the floor and do a quick vacuum and stuff like that. But um, anyway, hey, we need to take a quick break, but we'll be back very soon uh, to finish up this episode on Faith FM. Oh, come let us unite and sing. God is love. God is love. Let heaven and earth their praises bring. God is love. God is love Let every soul From sin awake Let every heart Sweet music make And sing with us For Jesus' sake God is love God is love Oh, sing to earth most distant lands God is love God
love In Christ we are made whole again God is love God is love His blood has washed our sin away His Spirit turned our night to day And with great joy our hearts can say God is love, God is love One day we'll sing with all the saints God is love, God is love We'll fully know them face to face God is love, God is love While endless sages roll along We'll triumph at the heavenly throne And this shall be our sweetest song God is love Welcome back to Faith FM. You are listening to Bethany and Chapeau in We Host a Marriage Project. And we have been talking about ministering from your marriage. And we've just been discussing the idea of encouraging your spouse to fulfill their ministry and to use their spiritual gifts and to take opportunities where they can serve God and do things that grow his kingdom. And I gave the example of like... um you know, worship leading and things like that and the way that you might have to be out of home and do things, but it's part of the way that you can serve God at that time. What I did want to say though is, and we call it money in the bank. I don't know if there's another way to, to, to define that, but it's really important to invest in your relationship all the time mm-hmm. as much as possible so that when that time comes that you do need to do something that's going to make it harder for the other person, it's not the norm. Does that make sense? So, let me give an example. If I was out every single night of the week, and honestly, I have done that so many times, and it's something I've been really working on to get under control because it's not healthy for our marriage or our kids or my mental health at any way. But there's been many times where I've been out every night for Bible studies, meetings, um, whatever it is, committees, blah, blah, blah. But if I've been out every single night, right, mm. and then it comes to Saturday morning and someone says, hey- um, I know you're not preaching today, but we want you to play drums for worship. Um, and I really want to do that. That means I've got to go out again and probably be out at seven o'clock on Sabbath morning. You've got to get the kids ready by yourself and bring them to church and all that sort of stuff. Are you going to be excited about me fulfilling <laughs> that desire to go and, and lead worship in that way? No, I'm going to be cranky. You're going to be a cranky <laughs> woman. <laughs> um, and not because, like, I don't want you to serve, but because I feel like your priorities are out of line and I feel like I'm lonely and doing a lot of hard work on my own with our family, which we created together, and I want to do it together. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, does that make sense, though? It's like That's why, again, it's important to invest in your relationship to make sure that you are building each other up that you are not overcommitting to so many things so that when opportunities do come up for you to um, do a ministry thing or to serve, that it's okay. 
Mm. That there's that you've put enough money in the bank that you can make a deposit. Yeah. So don't always a, a withdrawal. Yeah. So, so don't always be taking out. Think about what you're putting into as well. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. What I love about just thinking about the Priscilla and Aquila story is that wherever they went, wherever God called them to go, wherever they found themselves, whether by God's calling or by accident or by the discrimination of some really horrible Roman leader, they made their home a church. Yeah. And I love that. They did it in Corinth. They did it in Rome. They did it in Ephesus. And it reminds me of a letter that we have from the early church called the Epistle to Diognetius. This is a theology nerd thing that most people wouldn't have heard of, but I love this letter. It's it's beautiful. (laughs) It's a very short letter that we have that um, came from the first century. And it's not by a Christian, but it's somebody who's observing the Christians. And it just really, this line out of it really makes me think of what Priscilla and Aquila were like and maybe what we should also be like. It says they live in their own countries, but not... Only as non-residents, they participate in everything. Oh, sorry. They live in their own countries, but only as non-residents. They participate in everything as citizens and endure everything as foreigners. Every foreign country is their fatherland, and every fatherland is foreign. They marry like everyone else and have children, but they do not expose their offering. That means leaving them outside. Offspring. Did I say offering? Yeah. (laughs) That means leaving them outside to die if they are not wanted, um, which was a common practice in those days, which is very disturbing. They did that with their babies. Um, They share their food, but not their wives. They are in the flesh, but they do not live according to the flesh. They live on earth, but their citizenship is in heaven. So I love that wherever Priscilla and Aquila went, wherever a Christian person goes, they recognize that this is the country that we live in, but this is not our final home. This is not where our citizenship is. We're aliens, we're foreigners in this place. So wherever we've made ourselves comfortable, wherever we're building our family, God has got our citizenship somewhere else. And so we treat our homes and the places that we live and the places that we are like they are a little piece of the kingdom of God in our own community. Yeah. And we recognize that where we are, we're not building for our retirement or for ourselves, but we are building for the kingdom of God and that we have a place that is not this place that we belong. Awesome. Yeah. It has once again been great to be with you this afternoon. We always enjoy it, and we look forward to being with you again next week. It's my favourite part of the week. Yeah. (laughs) All right, thanks. See ya. Bye.